Jonathan Harmon. David Lugo. All right, man. How the heck are you? Wait, what? How the heck are oh, you? Oh, I'm pretty good. <laughs> pretty good. Um, actually, I was talking to a mutual friend of ours earlier today, and uh, he lives in Rome, and he asked me how I was doing, and I couldn't help but tell him that I'm doing really good. Oh, wow. Well, that's a good news. That's good news. Yeah. About a month ago, I had all of about 90 pages of writing to do before the end of the semester. Ooh. <laughs> uh-huh. And now I'm down to 10. Oh, wow. I've got 10. You've done a lot. I've done a lot, and I've got 10 pages left to write and two exams i got to go in for. Um, in a week? So next Tuesday and Wednesday, I have exams, and I have my paper due a week from today. Nice. Yeah, then I'll be done. How about you? I am looking at one paper due on Monday and then one due on f- uh, Friday. I think Friday. The 14th? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. A week from today? Mm-hmm. And I've got a homily. To, well, I've got two homilies to write: one for class and one for for real life. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's it. And then you're done. So not a whole lot. And then I'll be done. Wow, that's cool. Moving on to my last semester. That's exciting, man. Can you believe it? Well, who thought you'd make it this far? Let's be honest. Well, there it is. <laughs> you're gonna be. Uh, you have said so. so. You're gonna be back in California next semester. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We get in. We have a a January term that I don't really need a class for, but I'm going to be here anyway, working on some odds and ends. Mm-hmm. Probably doing a little bit of Spanish study, ooh, as well as some art stuffs. And I think primarily I'm just going to be focused on some parish ministry, uh-huh. just to get some good experience down. Got it. Got it. Got it. That's cool. Um. So when you leave, uh, when do you leave for for the holidays? I am actually spending Christmas here. Really? Yeah. That's nice. Uh, yeah, just, it was a, f- a bunch of different factors kind of played into that. I realized that moving forward, the way the, that a priest's life kind of is mm-hmm. doesn't lend itself to normal vacation times. Mm. So Chris- Christmas and Easter, for example, are big working weekends <laughs> right so i you know i just thought it would be a good idea and i was kind of asked if i was going to be able to be there at the parish for for midnight mass and some other christmas things i was like you know what this is just going to be a part of my life exactly that's totally good that i didn't realize i was hoping to do some family visits over christmas just like normal but that all kind of fell through unfortunately last minute right 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 um, so i'm kind of bummed about that but i'm looking forward to beginning this new part of my life kind of sooner than i thought yeah letting christmas be kind of a working holiday for you as a yep as a minister now that's cool man yep speaking of um landmark uh i reached a landmark recently oh yeah um we had our first meeting to plan our ordination to the diaconate that's right and i'll tell you what man i am trying my darndest to not have any say about how the ordination goes. Um, be- yeah. Because I don't want to weigh in. Like, I, yeah. I don't know. We, I just find that some guys, and then it's kind of like this bride effect happens where there becomes like, this is a special day and I want everything to go right. Where Frank, yep. when we talked about this, when you were getting ordained, it's like, I kind of wanted to just happen and, and move on. Yep. Like, let somebody else plan the thing. Um, exactly. So the responsibilities that I took on were, uh, preparing the invitation and working on the program. That's, Nice. So things before beforehand, um, and funnily enough, those are two things that we didn't have to do. <laughs> the invitations in the program, and I, yeah, and I would have been fine doing that. Hmm. Very good. Well, I am going to start our conversation quickly this week because I think both you and I are in the midst of finals, and we're probably in yeah. need of um, some extra time to work on on some papers today. So let's just jump into the conversation. I wanted to follow up with you on a conversation that uh, we reached. Last week, uh, towards the end, that I I asked you a question about addiction that you sort of tabled for this week because you needed some time to think about. Um, yeah, and I wanted to be respectful of your introversion that needed to do some <laughs> internal processing of the information. Um, so yeah, so maybe uh, do you remember what we were talking about? 
Yeah, it was mostly on the question of freedom, if I remember correctly. That's right. That's right. On if addiction leads, if you can ever really be free from it or of it, I guess. Yeah. So, and just to give you some more background as to why I've been thinking about this is just like, you know, I have a lot of friends and family that have struggled with addictions. I myself have struggled with sin in many of its forms, right? I know you have to, and like we we have issues that we deal with and, you know, St. Paul talks often enough about uh, doing that which he doesn't want to do and wanting that which he doesn't do. Um, you know, yeah. and there seems to be something about like a corruption in my in my will that doesn't let me do what I want to do. Um, and what I just find interesting about it with recovery stuff, uh, just to rehash the conversation from last week, is that um, at least in terms of recovery programs, it seems like the best that people settle for is the kind of recovery that ends with going to group and having sobriety accountability, um, but always having a sense that this is something that will be always part of my life, um, identifying with the addiction forever. Um, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful or belittling of of the process. I respect it tremendously. I guess I'm just wondering whether or not there's the fullness of freedom experienced there when a person is like needs to have those structures of sobriety always in place. Or is there anything else available um, to them? So I don't know. This is sort of the thing that I've been thinking about. Um, I want yeah. to get your sense on. Did you get a t- chance to think about it at all? A little bit. Um, there's a couple of things. So I think uh, this question really, for me at least, revolves a lot around, I mean, and this is something that we've talked about before, internet usage. And I don't want to... I don't want to avoid the question of substance abuse, um, but I think this is somewhat related because it's, it's a, I think it's a more accessible problem mm-hmm. um, that m- the majority of people today suffers from the, que- the issue of addiction to social media. Um, and just like we've talked about before, it seems like a lot of people's response to that is just to quit, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to shut it out completely. And I've me- I've already mentioned that I don't necessarily agree with that. Mm-hmm. So it's an interesting thing then to turn it to the question of like an alcoholic who you can't, from what I understand, you can't really do moderation when you're an alcoholic. Right. It's just kind of the nature of, of what it is. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of throws that theory, I, I think, out of the window because, well, but I wonder if it's, if it's the case that we've just gone, if, if it's, um, if you've gone too far at that point. You know what I mean? Like if, and I don't know what the equivalent would be to internet usage or to social media. Maybe somebody that does it for a job and just gets completely, but see, I don't, I don't even know if that works there either. Mm-hmm. Speaking of like something like a, like a burnout. Hmm. When it's just all that you do for, you know, every day, just your whole life is consumed by pro- producing content. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, there's something about addictions as addictions. Not, I mean, like there's addictions are, I don't know, I mean, like a workaholic is not the same as somebody who has to work a lot. Um, right. It's somebody who right. then the work takes on a whole nother layer on a, a whole nother yeah. level of, uh, of attachment and escapism. Um, but even then, like there are degrees in terms of like what substance is being used. So like an alcohol addiction is very different than a, like a workaholism. Workaholism, I mm-hmm. think is maybe more of like an analogous way of speaking about an addiction. Um, as opposed to like a chemical dependence upon, uh, on something, a workaholic. I'm not sure has yeah. a chemical dependence on on work. They might just be avoiding. Avo- um. Yeah. I mean, I think there's. I think there might be a. Well, I don't know. I don't know enough about science <laughs> to really say anything about that. <laughs> um. But I think it's a similar type of. Because you could be a, there could be a chemical dependence on something like adrenaline. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder if there's something like that with workaholism, where the, where there's something, you get kind of a rush from getting work done, maybe. Hmm. Um, but it's also funny, you know, because there, are, you're right, there are degrees. 
uh, I was, <laughs> I had a really funny moment the other day. Uh, so I'm not a morning person. I don't know if you knew that about me. Yeah. Well, I, I, I think I've often enough given you wake up calls <laughs> to know that you are not a morning person. Yeah. Uh, and I was downstairs one morning, uh, getting some coffee. And before I have my first cup of coffee, I'm not necessarily a pleasant person to be around. <laughs> Only before. <laughs> uh, and, yeah. and one of the guys that, uh, one of the guys that I live with was down there as well. And he was kind of watching me fumble around and trying to get my coffee. And at one point he asked me why I put water in my coffee. <laughs> uh, and mistakenly or fortuitously, I told him the truth, which was I put water in there so that I can drink it faster mm -hmm. <laughs> to cool it off. Cause I don't really, I don't drink milk. And so I don't really do that. And we don't, Anyway, uh, and immediately I realized how silly that was, and he picked on it. He picked up on it as well, and said, "Man, you are addicted." <laughs> hmm. Because uh, that's kind of crazy, a crazy behavior to cool down I your. Can't wait. Yeah, I can't wait for my coffee to cool down on its own enough to drink it, or just to take the little sips of a hot liquid. I've got to put water in there. <laughs> 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 so that I can to swallow that that pill a little easier. Yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. And it's not for taste because I like the taste of coffee, so it's not anything about that. But you just know that you need the the thing. Yeah, but like that's an that's I think an accepted addiction in our world. Yeah. Now I it's you know? it's it's a difficult topic just because like most things that we talk about, you and I don't have enough in, like enough insight into this to really like have authority on the topic. That's never really stopped us before <laughs> from from voicing our opinions about it. But like a chemical dependence doesn't seem to be a sufficient definition of the kind of like destructive addiction that right. we're talking about. Exactly, because, exactly. you know, you can have a, a an addiction to coffee and maybe like biologically you are addicted to caffeine. But the reason we say that it's socially accepted is because it doesn't destroy your life unless you, exactly. unless you go to a tremendous extreme uh, where it becomes... Yeah. You know, something, you know, beyond, uh, beyond moderation or, or yeah, measure. Something that consumes you. Um, well, and that, I mean, Ignatius as well, right? He, he was kind of addicted, if you will, to penance and to fasting mm -hmm. and it destroyed his body. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I went through a phase in my life where I didn't want to be addicted to anything. And so I gave up caffeine for that reason. And I often like flirt with the idea of going back to that. Um, I just feel like the, the definition of addiction is a little bit difficult to get my head, my head around just because there are some things that I'm addicted to that I'm like caffeine is the best example that I don't necessarily see the problem with. Um, there, yeah. there are other things that I might, you know, I might benefit tremendously from, from getting rid of in my life. Uh, things that I might just spend too much time on, uh, or whatever. Um, now maybe going back to the question about freedom, I, I had two insights about this topic. Recently, one was I came across a quote uh, from a sobriety channel that online that I was looking at, and they were saying that uh, it was just sort of like a quib that you just a quote that you, you know, for inspiration. It's like at any moment of your life, you're either working on recovery or working on relapse. Hmm. And I was really struck by that. And I I don't know how true that is, but it was at least striking enough to get me to think about myself and to think about my friends and family that have gone through recovery is like. It's a day to day, sometimes hour by hour thing, right? That, that people have yeah. to maintain sobriety and maintain a certain kind yeah. of, uh, vigilance on their behavior, which I think is really good. But I guess it just raised that further question for me of, is there ever true freedom from the, the worry of relapse? Um, right. What's the fullest expression of freedom? Another analogy that maybe would help, uh, the conversation. I, I, this came up in my mind the other day. And not to be sort of macabre about it, but I was thinking about like it's my favorite. Yeah, like, if you think about like if you think about an addiction, and I don't want to call it demonic in a in a way that's too exaggerated. I just if you think of the analogy of a demon uh, pestering you and bothering you and tormenting you, it seems like there's the phase in the recovery process that I think that a lot of us have seen very successful, which is that you subdue the demon and then you chain him up. Uh, but there's something that stops 
where it seems like a lot of people leave the demon chained up in the corner of the room and then yeah. it's always in the corner of the room. It's chained up and it's not going to get you, but it's yeah. still in the room. So it's like, well, that's a, that's a deep um, metaphor that comes up all the time in literature. Uh, <laughs> oddly enough, the one that comes to mind is, did you ever watch the cartoon Little Nemo in Dreamland? Uh, no. There's this weird old cartoon from the, I want to say the early 90s. Anyway, it was kind of about that he goes into this nightmare land because he unlocks the darkness. Hmm. He steals the key and unlocks it from the king. Uh, and so, but that, I mean, that's a theme that comes up all the time. The darkness is within and you've got to be careful because any slip up will lead to his unleash hmm. to being unleashed. Yeah. No, I just, I want to maintain that there's, there can be freedom from that. Even like the, the demon being in the corner, is that how the fullest experience of living should be? Is that I've managed to subdue the demon or subdue the addiction or subdue the temptations yeah. or subdue the sin, but I'm always having to be vigilant because at any moment I could, yeah. I could break. Well, here's a thought to bring it to my favorite topic. I wonder if it's similar to what happened with the one ring. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? What, Bear with what is the one ring? Bear with me. Bear with is me. Is that some reference to some sort of like fictional story? Uh, uh, yeah, it's kind, it's kind of fiction. <laughs> <laughs> the way that I talk about it, you wouldn't think it. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. But what happened between, between the ring being lost and the ring being found? Do you remember? Um, the ring was lost and the ring uh -huh. was found. Between those two yeah. events, it fell into nope. memory. Well, it fell from memory. Sorry, it, fell, it was forgotten. It was forgotten. It fell from memory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I wonder if that's a key thing for this. You know, we don't want to we don't want to give the thing too much power, but forgetting it altogether is equally as dangerous because we forget well, we forget how strong it is. Hmm. And so we're more easily susceptible to its temptation when we forget that we actually need to be somewhat vigilant. Um, you know, and that's that's the whole reason for a lot of, you know, a lot of old wives' tales and fairy stories and tall tales and things. Like they're telling you there's a moral to the story, you know, don't do this because, you know, the goblin or whatever will get you. Like, well, it's not really about a goblin getting you, but it's about bad things that will happen if you do these th certain things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, forgetting the thing is the worst of all, because then it's got free reign. Hmm. Does, does that make sense? I think it does. Because it will, it will be found. And do you want to be found on guard or off guard? Hmm. But it, it, so I, I'm sympathetic to that. I think that's right. That, that memory needs to be there because if we forget, like if the ring falls into oblivion and we don't remember it anymore, then we are threatening ourselves with our ignorance because the ring has not been destroyed, right? The, the ring is still there and it will be wielded again or it will be found. And if we have forgotten our lesson, uh, I'm sympathetic to that, but I just, at the end of the story, spoiler alert, right? The, <laughs> The ring is destroyed. Yeah. The ring is destroyed, yes. So there is hope for destruction mm -hmm. of the ring. Yeah. Um so can I can I experience hope that, you know, us I will overcome this vice, I will overcome this sin, I will overcome, you know, this addiction, you know, yeah, fill in the blank. You know, or am I only ever able to make it as far as I must carry this cross for the rest of my like just carry this cross. Well, you know what I mean? yeah. So to to keep with the analogy, though, look what happens to Frodo af even after the ring is destroyed. He's not the same. Hmm. So much so that he can't stay in Middle Earth. He has to leave. Hmm. This place is no longer for him. Hmm. You know, the wound that he was, this isn't the ring, but the wound that he received on Weathertop from the Witch King never healed. Right. Even though the evil was destroyed, mm. the wound was still there. 
So maybe like maybe this is an indictment on me of not having like too much not, I don't want to overstate this but like maybe I'm not thinking about the afterlife enough. Like maybe I'm expecting mm. I'm expecting total fulfillment and redemption to happen now. You know what I mean? Here. Yeah. In the here and now. Yeah. Yeah. But in rea- when, mm, that's interesting, yeah. When in reality like I maybe this is just testing my faith in purgatory and maybe testing my faith in heaven that there there's something to hope for but that that hope will be realized but just not now. So calm down. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> like I mean the words of Christ were carry your cross and not right, carry your right. cross until that cross is no longer necessary. Just carry the cross. Um Right. I don't know. Anyway, I just thought this was an interesting thing to be talking about. Any, any thoughts? Yeah, you? you know, well, yeah, I think a big, a big, th- well, a big thought that comes to my mind is this, um, I think a, for, for a lot of us, there's just this great fear that kind of overtakes our lives. You know, the fear of falling into sin or the fear of alcoholism or the fear of whatever mm. to where we start to lead these closed off lives to where we don't even come close you know we take we take that um you know the idea of avoiding the near occasion of sin a little bit too literally to where we never even truly engage in human interaction because even that can lead to lead to sin mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i think i think at the core of it that might be what i'm what i what I butt up against a lot of the time is because I don't want to become, you know, cold hearted and closed off. Mm -hmm. I want to enjoy the beauty of the created world. Mm -hmm. You know, if we really believe that everything that God created is good, um, guess what? Humans (laughs) are a part of that. Right. Right. And that, and that's, and that's maybe like one edging towards one side of the spectrum. Whereas the other side of the spectrum is sort of, you know, like being riddled with scruples about everything. And there's a demon around every corner. Um, yeah. You know, there's a demon under every carpet. Um, you know, but the, this, maybe the side of the, of the spectrum that you're leaning towards is one of seeing the good in everything rather than seeing, seeing the potential for evil in everything. Um, well, not so much just seeing the potential for good. So here's a, here's a, here's a fun segue. (laughs) This is part of the reason why I really like, horror movies oh god (laughs) uh so i was watching this netflix show um called the haunting of hill house oh man am i gonna have to turn on the light hold on (laughs) (laughs) turn on the lights (laughs) and for the first like two-thirds of this really the everything up until the last two episodes was so good it was such a scary show Mm mm-hmm because, because you never really knew what was actually going on. They did a really great job of kind of giving you, uh, you know, the, the, like psychological, you know, there's a lot of, everybody was struggling with psychological trauma and struggles. But also there was this, you know, something else was going on and you couldn't really tell if it was, if it was the spiritual warfare or psychological warfare. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe showing the connection between the two. I don't know. But why, why I'm remembering this, this show in particular, one of the characters was struggling with addiction, drug addiction. Mm. Um, and there, there's, I think there's a great, um, there's a great theme there that's showing that it's, you know, it is something like a haunting. That you're always being attacked. Uh, but also, I will I will say, and that kind of going back to my original point of why I like this stuff, is that, you know, I'm not trying to say that, oh, we need to focus just on the good of things, you know, to grit your teeth and to pretend everything is fine when it's clearly not. That's not hope. <laughs> hope is acknowledging the evil in the world and the suffering in the world and the terrible things of the world and yet trusting that something good will come from it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so that's really how I approach 
you know, when I watch horror movies, it's like, yeah, this is frightening. And it scares me. I'm not trying to say that it doesn't scare me either. Uh, you know, this is scary, but it's a, it's fright that leads to a trust that, you know what? This really has no, it has as much power as I'm willing to give it, Mm. which is none because I trust God (laughs) more than I trust, uh, the devil. Right. Right. And so I want to be able to look at it, look at it, look at it in the face and laugh. Hmm. Rather than being afraid to look at it, because that's, again, looking away, forgetting. Hmm. These are not the paths to healthy living. Right. So there's something about, like, like you, I, I'm struck by that phrase, uh, haunting. So, like, you know, an addiction is something that will forever, I mean, to say will haunt you makes it sound very negative, but um, maybe just to get the sentiment right, you know, like, it will be forever haunting. Right. And that it is always there as an like kind of a, a persistent reality that's always present to you. Um, yeah. And that's not a bad thing. Right. So like it's not a that's not a bad thing that it's always present to you, because if you forget, like you're saying, with, like with the ring, yeah. forgetting about the ring, then you might just easily revert back to old habits or to old. Old things. But I guess like the reason and maybe going back to the eschatological, like. This is maybe something that is particular to to our lived experience in time, in reality, before the resurrection of the dead. Because, like, at the resurrection of the dead, maybe, like, the final nail will be placed in the coffin of of evil and death. Death will be destroyed, you know, and, and yeah. all darkness and sin will be destroyed definitively. And in, But until then, we live in this world of, you know, we fall and we get afraid, but then we're haunted by our mistakes. We, we have redemption and forgiveness. But we still carry the wounds, and those wounds yep. sometimes bleed, yeah. and those wounds sometimes, you know, you know, call, well, call out. Well, one of the be, psalms, yeah. one of the psalms says, "Lord, your arrows have struck deep within me," hmm. and that was a that was something that I prayed with when I was a novice on the long retreat. Um, and I'll never forget this. At the end of the retreat, we were doing our group little sharing processing thing, and the assistant novice master said to me, uh, whose, whose arrows are those? And I was really struck by that because, well, of course, you know, they they are my sins. Yes. But they're now offered to God in some ways. Lord, your arrows have struck deep in me, which is not to say that God strikes me down, but that, but that they are, they're turned into something new. They don't go away. Mm hmm. They're still, you know, and that imagery is very strong for me. They're still literally sticking in my chest, point guiding me in everywhere that I move. Mm. But are they going to be, you know, maybe like tied to a string leading me only in one to one negative direction? Mm. Or am I going to be cut free from that Mm. and allowed to turn to God? No, that's good. With them still there. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, maybe, maybe the, like to put a punctuation mark on that idea is like maybe freedom in the fullest sense, and this is true to our faith, I guess, is that freedom in the fullest sense only comes at the resurrection, is that we can't be fully free, you know, this side of heaven. Right? Because we yeah. can't be fully free yeah. of our, like, we won't be healed of all of our wounds until, yeah. you know, we are, you know, seeing God for all of eternity, until we're in that reality. Like, we're, we're within yeah. time, we, we sin, we're, you know, we're weak, etc. Um, I still think, though, that maybe, like, there is maybe moving back to like the microscopic level or like the, the here and now level. I do think pastorally there is something to be said though about how we interact with people with addiction and ask, like, how do we ask people, you know, how to move beyond just the maintenance of an addiction to maybe the transformation that comes with like discipleship in Christ and saying it's not just about the acknowledgement of a past failure, but a recognition now that that has become a cross, but the cross needs to be carried. And not just constantly dying on that cross over and over again, but carry yeah. the cross with you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I think a, a major part of that is is um, is what I said last last time about the individual, because that I mean fundamentally that's what Christianity is about. It's it's raising up the glory of the individual as a son or daughter. 
Uh, and so the problem starts to arise, I think, when we start looking at people only as a group. Mm. So you are an addict, or you are a felon, or you are a homeless. Oh, I see. I see. You know? Um, and so, which is, you know, we do that. All of us do that all the time. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I'm going to go work with the homeless. Well, what does that even mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, no, I'm going to go talk to Peter, or I'm going to go talk to you know whoever it is, mm-hmm. the person. Mm-hmm. And that's where change happens. Right. That's where conversion happens. So you are not your wounds, right? You are not your conditions, yeah. right? You are yeah. you are a person and that person that has wounds, that carries issues, that carries a past. Everybody has a past. And to forget your that past person is, is fo- love. Yeah, and that person and yeah, and to forget your past is foolish, right? You're you're de- you're you're bound to repeat it again, right? If you forget your past. But if you become a slave to your past, yep. then it seems like that's that's a problem too. Yep. Yep. Well, yeah, and again, that's you you can objectify yourself as well Mm. you know you can start saying oh i am an addict i am and that's despair i think but like i am an addict and i and then there's no hope for me or like that's that's the extent of my identification again going back to saint paul you know don't grieve like the pagans uh because our grief leads to hope Mm. it's got to yeah, no, that's true. That's true. That's good. Um, last week, uh, maybe just shifting topics really quick. Last week, you you brought up a show on Netflix that you're watching uh, that you asked <laughs> me about. I wonder if does it? I, yeah. I haven't seen it, but does it factor in at all in your understanding of like this? You were talking about darkness a lot last week, and yeah, 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 uh, a little bit. You know, so the show is Sabrina, or the new Sabrina, whatever it's called, Chilling Tales, um, something or other. And it was getting a lot of hate on social media mm-hmm. that I, that I saw. Um, you know, it's overly satanic, leading people into darkness, blah, 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 blah. Is that true? Uh, I mean, it's not a good show, <laughs> but not because of that. I mean, like the, it's, it just strikes me as similar to the people that criticized Harry Potter because it was teaching their children how to cast spells. Hmm. It's like, it's not, you know, Latin. <laughs> and it, it was funny, you know, these shows, they're always using Latin and always using kind of a, a mockery of the Catholic church, hmm. which is showing you that there is something there that they're trying to take it and twist it. Hmm. You know, the show was constantly saying, Oh, the false God, the false church, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, if you really believe that, why is everything you're doing based on that? Mm. <laughs> there was, and even their words, you know, the first two episodes, which I think are worth watching because they really highlight a lot of my thoughts. It's all about a dark baptism. Like, come on, this is ridiculous. Mm. Um, before I get into the dark baptism, there was really one, there was one really funny moment where they were doing an exorcism, mm-hmm. which, you know, if they're invoking Satan and calling on demons, why would you want to exercise something? So it's this whole like just there's a lot of confusion there. So they were they were performing confused. exorcisms on the ship. Yeah. Like the pe- the satanic yeah. people. Well, they were trying to, yeah. But the funny thing was Weird. they were invoking they were invoking all of these women as like their litany of saints. Uh and a lot of them I didn't recognize, but <laughs> Two caught my attention in particular, uh, the Witch of Endor and Hildegard of Bingen. <laughs> really? Doctor of the Church Hildegard of Bingen wow. was a part of their satanic. Why? Saints. I, well, I don't know. I really don't. She's a woman. Uh, I don't know. She's a mystic. I mean, I mean, she was a mystic and she. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, she's in touch with the spiritual world, you know. Um, that's interesting. I mean, I think that, that there's a point in all that you've just said that I think is really important is that there's a perversion of a good that that's kind of like all that this evil can amount to. Is that kind of what you're getting at? Yeah. And, you know, it's and they, they're not hiding it. That's the thing that I love about the show is that there's a really great moment in those first two episodes um, with this baptism. You know, the, the their high priest, right, still using our language. Um, is convincing Sabrina 
to go through with this ritual because the Dark Lord wants nothing but her freedom, free will to empower her as an individual, blah, 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 blah. Uh, but at every turn, she's seeing the contradictions in that. And so when the time comes for her to sign this book in her own blood, um, you know, he's literally forcing her hand. Hmm. And she sees, like, you said I, I thought you said this was about freedom, and yet you're forcing me to do this. Hmm. And so even she, and she runs away, so she doesn't go, spoiler alert, she doesn't go through with it. Whoa. Um, and so even she sees the contradictions within this, you know, this so-called religion that's all about freedom and all about the individual, hmm. but it's all about control and all about lies. Hmm. And nobody's happy. They're all struggling. They're all falling into, yeah, it's really a kind of a gross a gross display of of hedonism hmm. and none of it for what none, it is and none of it provides freedom all of it provides yeah exactly it's all brokenness brokenness and control and enslavement to pleasure yep. or yeah yep well i mean this relates well to our conversation before right i mean like there's yeah yeah no it does that there is something demonic about you know addictions or sin generally and that is that there is a turning of our attention to, you know, our own pleasures and our own satisfactions, which we think will lead us to happiness and freedom, but in truth are enslaving, right? That they're tremendously enslaving, um, right? Turning in on ourselves, yeah. you know, because our focus becomes that of satisfying our own desires rather than, you mm -hmm. know, glorifying God. And so our will then becomes twisted and we become enslaved. Right. You know, another kind of, another funny example of that very thing is that the show was actually sued by, apparently there's a real life Church of Satan. And the show used <laughs> their, like their statue. Oh no. And so they, they got in trouble for, a, I guess it would be like copyright infringement or something. Oh my gosh. And I just thought this is a perfect example of how ridiculous this all is. Hmm. You know, imagine the Catholic Church all of a sudden filing lawsuits with everybody that uses a crucifix or the word priest or a clerical shirt. You know, all of the things that we are and all of our little things. Uh -huh, uh -huh. It's like, no, that never happens because that's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's just another attempt at control. Right. Again, looking at the evil spirit. Yeah, it reminds me of... a. Uh... I'm writing this paper right now on the, the, the sin against the Holy Spirit. And, uh, you know, it all happens within the context in Matthew's gospel of, um, you know, uh, a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. And how if I drive out demons by the power of demons, then there's a contradiction there yeah. because, you know, a kingdom divided against itself will not stand. And there's just something to be said there about the, the, the internal contradiction of the kingdom of Satan, will, it's, it's self-defeating, right? There's a, a self-defeating self-competition mm -hmm. that happens there. And you see that kind of play out there with the suing is like, if this is advancing your people's thing, whatever, as twisted as it is, why are you, why are you competing with it? Well, it seems like right. you're competing with it because there's a self-destructive tendency within that kind of philosophy to begin with, right? It's, it's so self-serving and it's so driven by like self that it becomes ultimately like yeah. self-destruction. And that's that's why it lives in the darkness, because as soon as it comes out into the light, you see how ridiculous it is. Mm. And so this push for people just to ignore it or to not watch shows like this or to, you know, just to to live in fear of things like that, I think is I think is just as bad. Mm. Because you're giving, you know, one of my favorite examples to you, and I would often use this when I was teaching is um did you ever watch the movie legend with tom cruise uh no uh it was this like 1984 fantasy movie tim curry plays this really demonic looking figure this i guess the satan of their fantasy world mm -hmm. with these giant horns bright red skin you know just really really scary uh you know and what's what happens if you see that guy walking down the road coming at you what would you do, David Lugo? Uh, if it's something really scary, I would probably run. 
Yeah, turn around and run. Mm -hmm. Okay. Let's give it another extreme. It's the um, it's the guy that people dress up for for Halloween with little horns and a goatee and a pitchfork. <laughs> what would you do if that guy started walking at you? I would probably laugh at him. Yeah, you'd probably laugh at him. Uh, and he wouldn't have no power over you. But here's where the evil spirit lies. Um, he's not either of those. He's the super charming uh, one that's going to convince you that he just wants to be your friend. Hmm. You know the show uh, or the comic series Lucifer from Neil, Neil Gaiman? Hmm. Uh, it was made into a, a TV show a couple of years ago. This is perfect, you know, because he was, I think the author modeled him on David Bowie. So the super charming, everybody wants to be his friend. Uh, that's where temptation is. Because we're not going to be tempted by those other guys because they're silly or scary. Right, right, right. We're not tempted by the extreme. We're tempted by the attractive, right? By the, the, the that suave character that is enticing and is attractive and you don't want to be with. Uh, you want to you want to follow his command. You want to follow his lead, right? And so I think it's important. I mean, again, kind of going back to my my defense of scary movies and and whatnot. Uh, I think it's important to to be able to recognize it and to be on the lookout, to be vigilant, but to not be controlled by it. Hmm. Like, and I do I do agree that there's a there is somewhat of a desensitization. Mm -hmm. Is that how you say mm -hmm. it? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You can become desensitized to some of these things. And I think that's one of the better arguments against things like horror movies and violence and video games. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I just think... I don't know. I just don't think that that's a good enough argument. Right, 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 right. Even though it's the better one, I don't think it's a good enough one. Sure, sure. And of course, I mean, we have to draw a distinction between horror movies and addictions, right? Like, they're, we're, we're, oh, yeah. we're talking yeah, about yeah, them yeah. In, the same, in the same sort of realm because I think there is a similarity, which is... That there is darkness, right? And, and how is it that we relate to the darkness, right? So that there, you know, fictional things that we participate in that are not necessarily sinful, um, and are not necessarily addictive, like horror movies might have a pedagogical value for us and also like a sobering value for us and like help us to see into the reality of, you know, the battle for good and the, 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 the war with evil. Um, and then on the other yeah. side, there is the very like, you know, for lack of a better word, like incarnated experience of temptation and evil that we have when we, you know, fall into sin or experience real temptation. And that's a palpable experience of evil. That's not just imaginative, but it's it's real. And so it's no less different in that evil is still a, like it's still a deception of, you know, what what is actually for our good. And it's a lie. Um but it just becomes difficult in the lived experience when you when you do start falling and you start falling often when it starts to become a dependency, then then it becomes this thing that starts to haunt you and starts to control you. You become enslaved, right? You become enslaved to the, right. to the darkness. Right. But I think what you said earlier is really good is that like forgetting like once you've been healed and, you know, elite, like relieved from the burden, forgetting it is is another is a further like problem because <laughs> if you forget it then and i think right your, your whole point about horror movies is well taken too is that it that keeps your mind attuned to the fact that there's a whole reality here that you don't want to forget yeah it is a spiritual battle mm -hmm. so what about this let me get your thoughts on what would you say to if i said that going to a group meeting like aa is like watching a horror movie because you're going to these and you're not ignoring your addictions. You're facing them. You're talking about them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's an obvious difference in one is entertainment and one is, is, well, you know. no, no, yeah, I'm not <laughs> saying they, they are that, but it's, it's like that process of, of, you know, Sam and Frodo had to walk to Mordor. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's not a fun place to go. Right. And every time you read that book, you walk to Mordor with them. Mm. Yeah, or Good Friday. I mean, like, we celebrate Good Friday every yeah. oh, year, yeah. you know? Yep. You know, because you have to face the cross all the time, right? That there's a repetition in that experience. And someone who goes to a, you know, to group is not reliving the pain, but is, is processing the pain in real time 
and not being afraid to face the cross, but seeing the cross, yeah. you know, as a as a permanent fixture in their life, that the cross stands still while the world turns. Um, yep. Yeah, no, that's helpful. That's helpful. I still maintain that there could be some like help to getting people, you know, to look beyond self identification with just the cross of of their addiction yeah. or their sin. Like, I am a sinner, yes, but I'm also loved by God. Like, there's there's more there. Yeah. Well, we don't stop our Easter services on Good Friday, um, but that's a lot easier said than done when you're talking with somebody that's addicted to heroin. Mm. Um, you're just kind of happy you know, to get them to recognize that they've exactly they've been a victim and they are they're in need of of help they're in need of love yeah yeah, yeah. hmm no that's good yeah that's really good hmm I wonder if I'll manage to watch Sabrina at all I don't think I can I would I mean I would recommend maybe just the first two episodes it's a little scary <laughs> and a little violent um, but I think. That last scene when she's at, you know, at this dark altar is worth it because hmm. it, it really shows. Have you only seen the, two episodes? The pettiness. No, no, I watched the whole thing. Okay. Okay. So it's in those first two episodes. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, good. Um, well, uh, is there anything else you want to chat about this week that we can uh, touch on briefly? Anything else going um, on with you? Not a whole lot. No. Well, let's just uh, pick this back up again next week, then. All right. Sounds good. All right, man. Good luck with everything. All right, brother. All right. Peace. Peace. All right. So I did the editing on the episode, and that was a very sad ending <laughs> to our episode. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like, talk about like taking the, the wind out of the sails here. <laughs> oh, so we're actually acknowledging that? We're not just going to... Through the magic of editing, pretend that it didn't happen. What are you talking about? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, I was listening to it, and it was like, it's like, all right, Jonathan, you, okay, bye. you have anything else you want to talk about? <laughs> no, not really. Yeah. <laughs> well, the funny thing was, I sent you a text a little while after recording. I was like, oh, there is something that I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is like a microcosm of having conversations with you. Is that it? Usually takes a half hour for you to like bake. You know, an idea. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's so, right. So what was your idea? What? It's, a slow, it's a slow start. It's a slow start. There's nothing wrong with that. Slow in the beginning, slow in the middle, and a fast end. That's you. Slow, <laughs> <laughs> slow and steady wins the race. <laughs> oh, good. Well, what's up, man? So I think something important has just happened uh, I'm in my life. I'm excited to hear. Did you do something cosmic and awesome? Yes, I came to a realization. I think, now I'm not done with it yet, <laughs> but so far, I think I like Parks and Rec more than The Office. Well, it's about time someone finally agreed with me, because <laughs> I've been saying this for years. <laughs> yeah. Now, the tipping point, I will say, what really kind of nailed the, uh, put the last nail in the coffin. Mm-hmm. Was when Ron started dating Xena, the warrior princess. Spoiler alert! Goodness, that's a that's a reveal, man. Oh, sorry. Spoiler alert for The Office. Nope. What is this? Parks and Rec. Parks and Recreation. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So wait, uh, uh, what season is that? I don't know. It's like five, I think. Okay, because I I've seen the show a couple of times, and I know <laughs> it pretty well. Um, I was just a little confused because when we were texting, you were saying some things about some characters that I was like, how do you know about Xena, but not about that? I guess my timeline is a little bit off. Um, yeah. Well, it could be that I just missed What's-Her-Face. Yeah, John Raffio's, uh sister. Um, yeah. No, but anyway, tell me why, because I've had this opinion for a very long time that <laughs> Parks and Recreation is what The Office should have been. Yeah. Well, so I think... Leading up to this, there have been some really, really good episodes. Um, and I think what it does better than The Office is it, I mean, it, it talks about real problems like, um, Tom's obsession with, and this is a constant theme of ours, uh, his obsession with social media. Mm-hmm. Like he had that, court, <laughs> that court order <laughs> to get off the internet. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's exactly, you know, 
I think that's exactly what we've been talking about. And so I, I was surprised when I saw that episode because, because it did fit in so well with what we've been doing. And Ron, I thought was a really great friend to him in that, in that regard, right, showing him that right. there's a better way, you know, just to do what's responsible. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think that that's something that we can all take there's a lesson just, from. There's so many things coming down the pike that you don't know about yet, as far <laughs> as like Ron and his relationship with technology, um, which are just fantastic. But no, I remember that episode really well. That was the episode um, where Leslie was in the old folks' home, and then that, <laughs> and then that was going on with the techno- with the technology. Um, yeah, what was happening with April? She was doing something. Uh, I don't know. I don't like her. So, oh, you got to like April. Oh my gosh, no. she grows on you, man. Oh no, she's in DC nope. probably at this point. I think with with uh, with Ben. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, they're well, they're back now. So that must have been a little while ago. Okay. Um, um, so you think yeah, that they her, actually treat like real topics, like they do real things? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, The Office kind of does that, but it's so focused on The Office. I mean, and rightly so, it's the name of the show. Um, and sort of those interpersonal relationships. So that you know, I, and I really like that show because of that. That it really, it's very much character driven. Mm-hmm. Parks and Rec is as well, but. But again, I think they're, I think that's, they're trying to tackle some actual, some actual things that people struggle right. with. Right. Now, so my, my thought about this, I think that's correct. But I think that as you finish the show, I'd be interested to see how your opinion about Parks and Rec evolves and changes. Because one of the things that I actually prefer about Parks and Recreation is that I feel like they do a better job taking care of their characters, um, <clears throat> than the office does. I mean, the, the ending of the office I thought was terrible. Like it was, yeah. the wheels were coming off of that bus, like yeah. three seasons before the end. Like I'm not even marking the moment of Mark's departure, uh, of Mike's, what's it, uh, Mike's departure as, is his name Mike? Uh, Mike? Michael Scott? Yeah, Michael Scott. I'm not even counting that as like the turning point of the office. For me, I was willing to grant that and grant a lot of the stuff that was happening strangely afterwards. For me, it just became very clear. I don't know if you remember, but when Andy went on his three month boat trip, Oh yeah, that was ridiculous. It was like and nobody noticed. Yeah, well, it was just like clear that the show stopped caring about Andy, and Andy stopped caring about the show, like the actor or something. Like there was just something going on. I know that he was filming filming The Hangover at the time, but like the show, I think uh, the wheels were just kind of coming off. Clearly, the guy who plays Jim was getting his career taken off elsewhere, so he, you know, was leaving the show. And, oh, that Philadelphia thing. Yeah, and it was just yeah, that was ridiculous. It was just all kind of falling apart, and then. I, I also got the sense that Dwight's character was losing his, like, continuity with his personality. Like, he was becoming this lovable character, which he never was. Um, yeah. And then also, there was this very forced romance with, uh, with Peyton. Oh, the boom guy. The boom or guy. Or whatever, the camera guy. Yeah. And then, like... Oh, they, that was the worst. And then they tried to tie it all together at the end with a DVD show. It's like, come on. You guys, the wheels fell off a long time ago. I feel like the show didn't end well. By contrast, yeah. by contrast, I think, and I look forward to talking about this with you later, I think that the Parks and Recreation ending season was outstanding. Yeah. I think that the way that they mm-hmm. ended the show was fantastic. And I feel like contrasted with The Office, they actually took care of their characters and they allowed their characters to organically grow. Every character grew in the show. Um, yeah. Except for jean Ralphio. Like, I mean, like every character... <laughs> Every, that's his character. That's his character, yeah. But like every character there grew, whereas in the office, everybody just became a caricature of themselves. Um, yeah. Which I found infuriating, uh, in the office. Um, yeah, I don't know. So I just, now, the character I will, development. I will say, speaking of character development, part of the reason why this has been such a slow come around for me is that they got rid of probably my favorite character. In which show? Parks and Rec. They got rid of your favorite character? Yes! I mean, that may be going a little bit too far, I realize. I tend to exaggerate. Uh, but I thought Mark Brandanowitz was great. Oh my god, are you kidding me? He was terrible. No, he was good. Um, Talk about character development and growth. He became a real person. Yeah, yeah. And then he left. But the the, the, but the problem is that they couldn't go anywhere with his character. His character had no depth. Like, he was very... like I don't know. I feel like it was a good call to get rid of him. 
Um, I mean, probably, but I just thought that it was like he 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 became a clean slate that he could start. Mm. He could go in any direction at that point. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, I forgot about him because he's gone after season <laughs> after like season two, I think. Yeah, once yeah. they introduce Ben and uh, and uh, Chris, yeah. and Chris, um, Chris, I don't like him either. Oh, you're gonna love all of these Chris characters Trigger. by the end. Um, one thing that I'll share with you that I learned that I thought was really interesting. Are you a fan at all of? I already know the answer to this. I don't even know why I'm asking you. Uh, <laughs> are you a fan of The West Wing? Uh, no. I mean, I've seen it. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Um, I'm familiar with it. So one thing I learned is that. The creators of like the the workers on the office that left to do Parks and Rec um, uh-huh. were people who were really big fans of the West Wing, and uh-huh. part of the like idea behind Parks and Recreation was inspired by the office. They were like, "Look, we had a private sector thing in the office with the internal life of the office. Let's do something in the public sector with a small government." But what they wanted to do is to take the same kind of intensity and seriousness and like conviction and honor that was wrapped up in the West Wing around really big issues at the national level and international level. And let's put it at the local level. Um, <laughs> so like, whereas in the West Wing, the president was concerning like, you know, trade deals between China and Russia and, you know, like arms races and everything like that. That's the same kind of negotiation that Leslie's going to take very seriously between the boys and the girls soccer yeah. team, you know, in the park. <laughs> so it's like, and it's, it's brilliant. And they, and they do that really well. Yeah. So probably the last episode of the West Wing that I watched, and it wasn't even the whole thing, uh, was fairly recent after I started watching Parks and Rec. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't help but see Chris Traeger as Chris Traeger. You mean in that show? In the West Wing. In the West Wing, yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's, is he basically the same character? They talk about that in this podcast that I listened to where they connected it to. I think the problem is that Rob Lowe is not a good actor. I think that he's... Yeah. He's a, he can only do one thing. He can do one thing. He can be Rob Lowe. You know, he can, he, <laughs> he can deliver lines and he can be a pretty face. And that's pretty much it. Um, I, don't, I don't get the sense that he's a very good actor to begin with. Um, yeah. I think he's a famous actor, but I don't, I don't think that he's someone that has a lot of, like, reach, you know? Who are some of the other actors that are in that that were in that? So it's not a show like that where they where they took actors. Rob Lowe is the one exception where he's in it. There is an episode uh-huh. in season six of Parks and Recreation where they bring in um the guy who plays Josh from the West Wing, and he does an episode uh of Parks oh. and Recreation. And in that episode they do a lot of this like they have a lot of cameo type things um yeah. for um uh, for for West Wing, like a lot of like uh, Easter eggs, you know. Uh huh. Now I I am a little bit more familiar with the West Wing because, and this is kind of adding on to this whole thing. Another one of my favorite shows was developed after this actor got started on the West Wing. Um, who's that? I'm a big fan of Psych. Oh, Charlie, with Dulé Hill. Yeah, Charlie. Charlie's in it. I never saw Psych. Oh, it's so good. It's such a good show. I never liked Charlie in the West Wing, but I <laughs> I might I might appreciate him in Psych. Dude, yeah, you should watch it because it's a it's a show about friendship, about true friendship. And I think that is sorely lacking in our world today. Is that is it the kind of show where I'll probably just regret that it's not Scrubs? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I've not seen all of Scrubs, but I know that you uh, like it a lot. Jonathan, I don't know how we're friends. If you've not seen Scrubs <laughs> and not seen all of Parks and Recreation, I'm not sure we can continue this conversation. Scrub, I've seen a lot of Scrubs, okay. <laughs> so good. So good. Um, uh, it's similar in that it's a white guy and a black guy that are really, really good friends. <laughs> <laughs> well, there uh, it is. There it is. Uh, I don't know. Actually, I would be interested to see how you uh, <laughs> is it how on? you respond to is Psych. It, is it on anything? I think it's on Netflix. Well, I'm in Canada, so dial it down oh, a bit. Canadian Netflix. <laughs> Maybe Amazon? Check that. I also have Canadian Amazon. Everything is Canadian here. Oh. So, yeah. 
This is why I watch I Jeopardy. Bet, I bet they still have. I bet, I bet they still have DVDs in in Canada. Oh, gross! <laughs> <laughs> oh man, the struggle is real. Well, I look forward yeah. to you finishing Parks and Rec and us having a long conversation yeah. about the finale. You know, it's been and it's. This is why I love. I have loved getting into these shows that I got have gotten into way way too late. Um. I didn't watch any of this stuff when it first came out, mm-hmm. but they're so sh- the episodes are so sh- so short. You know, you can watch one, but you're usually watching two or three. Uh huh. It's candy. Um, yeah, that's right. And it's long enough so you can kind of you can take breaks from it, and then when you come back, it's like, oh yeah, this is so fun getting back into it. Mm-hmm. But I find it to be a really good kind of break from, especially the end of the semester stress. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't have time to watch a whole movie but i can take a 20 minute break to watch an episode right another show that might be of interest to you it's the same creators as the office and uh parks and recreation the same the same group of people um it's uh brooklyn 99 oh so i like brooklyn 99 it is not as like it's not as like sophisticated in its storytelling or you know, like good and it's like treatment of serious topics. It's like just the fun slapstick stuff from the office and from Parks and Rec. Um, <laughs> and it takes place in a, in a police uh, pre- precinct in Brooklyn. Nice. Check it yeah. Out. It's Andy Samberg. You'll like it. I think if you get into it. Cool. All right, man. Now are you done with this conversation? Can't now can <laughs> <I> go. <laughs> yeah. Well, good. Yeah, I think this is a better way to end. <laughs> I think so too. All right, cool, dude. We'll talk later. All right. See ya. All right, peace.